Hello, I'm Eric Green and welcome to this, the latest podcast in our series focusing on the US election, now fewer than 100 days away. As polls this week indicate a growing lead for Joe Biden, I've been speaking to two Democratic voters, Amelia and Nick, asking them what's behind Biden's rising support and why they plan to choose Biden over Trump this November. Thank you very much to all of you who listened to our first episode last week and to the user East Coast Reveler who left us a comment asking whether there is an urban rural dimension to the election. There is a podcast on its way addressing that very question. We hope to look at both the historical foundations and current movements behind some of the geographical splits in American politics. For now, though, here's Amelia and Nick. What does Joe Biden represent to you as a voter? Because his critics would say it's all about reversing back to four years ago and there's no vision for the future. Or or is that actually what America wants? Reversing back to a time pre-Trump? Amelia, let, let's start with you. Um, I think that he... I do think that part of it is that, kind of reversing back to pre-Trump, trying to fix everything that he's messed up, basically. I mean, I think a lot of what he'll have to do is undo all of the damage that Trump has done. But I do think he his platform is one of the most progressive platforms of any Democratic candidate. I think even when Obama was running in 2012, Biden's platform is still more progressive now. Um, but I think that just since he is, right now, since he's older, it's hard to see him as like a changed candidate. But it seems like, I, I think that he will be able to make change in the country and help, you know, minorities and hopefully help climate change. And so I kind of see him as trying to undo everything Trump has done while also making a change. Biden represents more of a, a sense of normalcy uh, and leadership, uh, a safer choice, uh, a more... Uh, patriotic and American choice. Is it about Biden not being Trump and kind of like wanting to go back to the kind of presidency and the kind of America that it was four years ago? Or do you think that Biden actually has a vision going forward, is promising a future? Well, I'd say, in all honesty, uh, a a good, like, my, my first initial thought when it comes to Biden is, okay, anyone but Trump, right? Mm. Like, that's um, that's the main goal, to just get anyone in the White House that's not him. One overarching benefit of voting for Joe Biden is pretty clear. For both Amelia and Nick, Biden is not Trump, and ensuring Trump doesn't remain president is their primary aim. This explains some of the tactics being used by Joe Biden's campaign at the moment. They are allowing the spotlight most weeks to remain on Trump, and not to allow certain events or policy speeches to define their candidate in a way that may alienate certain voters. After all, a key group that will decide this election, particularly in places like Florida and Ohio, will be Republican voters, who are opposed to Trump but wary of voting for a Democratic president. Allowing the election to be all about Trump and not Biden may be enough to focus such voters on their primary concern, the failings of the president. What's interesting, though, is how Amelia described this election as one where America doesn't want radical change, something very different to the feeling in 2016. Nick talks of a desire for normalcy, and yet Amelia also spoke of Biden being progressive and having a quite left-wing platform. Amelia is someone who supported Sanders in the Democratic primary, and I think this subtle difference between her and Nick reflects the coalition of voters 
Biden needs to unite together. Those who want progressive, perhaps pretty left-wing Sanders-esque change, and on the other hand, those that simply want to roll back the clock to a pre-Trump era. So during the primaries, I wasn't really supporting Biden. I was at first with Kamala Harris, and then when she dropped out, I was kind of leaning more towards Bernie Sanders originally. Do you think that Trump is the factor behind? Because it seems that in 2016, Sanders supporters in particular were not enthusiastic uh, in supporting Clinton at all when it came to the presidential race. Um, Do you think that the fact that we've had four years of Trump as president is changing that? That actually, when the choice in November is between Biden and Trump, Sanders supporters will turn out for Biden? That's what I hope. Um, I think that there are a lot of Sanders supporters, especially on Twitter and other social media, that are just very passionate for Bernie Sanders. And I think that a lot of them in 2016 switched and voted for Trump rather than voting for Clinton. Um, But I'm hoping that this go-round, that they realize how dire of a situation it is and how important it is to vote for Joe Biden. Nick, do you think that seeing Donald Trump's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, that has pushed undecided voters away from being wary about Joe Biden and pushed them firmly into the Joe Biden camp, perhaps even forced some uh, Sanders supporters to do that as well. Yeah, I think plenty of people who were sort of on the fence were like, oh, you know, maybe Trump's an idiot, but at least he's not blah, 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 you know, whatever. Uh, He's doing good things for the economy or whatever else. But then they saw his response with this. And that really, I think, motivated people. And probably not just uh, moderates or conservatives, but I think a lot of uh, liberal people who were not planning on voting for Biden, you know, the the Bernie or bust people are now thinking, well, you know, we've actually got to do something about this. So I definitely think it's helped Biden. I'm actually just a little concerned that maybe Biden's peaking too early. Maybe his... Mm -hmm popularity uh right now in the sense of how much like i guess anti-trump sentiments are going on that um that might die down in november and people will be less motivated but i guess we'll see a key moment in any election is when the candidates choose their prospective vice president this time around it feels even more significant with many voters and democratic politicians openly questioning whether Biden, age 77, can last a full term in office. And it also seems unlikely that he will run for a second term. This therefore means who he chooses as vice president will be instrumental in the running of government and overnight will become a favourite to run as president after Biden's first term. Joe Biden himself has talked about wanting a VP who closely aligns with his views and style of running government. He said he wants someone who he's simpatico with. But vice presidents in an election campaign have another key role. And that's the ability to attract voters from areas the presidential candidate struggles to gain support. Will Joe Biden, therefore, use his VP pick to eat into Trump's white working class base or indeed use it to assure his support from Sanders' supporters and from the left of the party? As somebody who didn't support Biden straight away, how important is it to you that he chooses somebody perhaps closer to Sanders on the left of the party as his vice presidential candidate? Uh, I think it's very important. I think that he definitely needs to be strategic about who he picks and someone who's more progressive, who has the right experience. Because, I mean, he's 78 years old, so he could 
die, unfortunately, at any moment. So we need somebody that could fill in his role very quickly, have progressive policies, and be able to continue the job of the presidency. Who who do you think's best suited for that out of the names currently circulating around? Um, I think that Kamala Harris is definitely a good pick. I think that she is the right experience. I think that as a minority, that helps with um, attracting African-American voters and Hispanic voters. And obviously, since she's a woman, too, that's also something that motivates me to want to pick her because we've never had a woman as a vice president. And I think that she just has the right experience for the job. I also... um, there have been other picks, too, in, that are different senators, uh, like Tammy Duckworth is an example, Amy Klobuchar. Um, but they, they're senators in states that are could flip red, potentially, and we don't want to lose those seats in the Senate. So I think that Kamala Harris is from California. Her seat is the state blue. So even if she were to resign as a senator and become vice president, that seat would go back to being blue almost positive that his pick for VP is, is, is going to be a good one. Um, and hopefully, you know, he can sort of have like a, a good dynamic with his VP who can also lend a hand and, and have a, a strong sense of direction as well. That, you know, hopefully they'll be a bit more on the liberal side, I'd say. Mm. Uh, you say that the VP choice is important and you said that Biden was quite old. Uh is there a worry that Biden might not be able to lead America for the whole term or perhaps, you know, would be limited to just one term? And is that a factor? Yeah, I think um, there's definitely been a lot of talk of Biden possibly running and then within the first year or two of his candidacy, if he does win, um, him stepping down and letting the VP sort of uh, take his place, which would be unprecedented. Nothing like that has ever happened mm-hmm. before. Um, uh, the only things that are similar are, are, you know, when JFK got assassinated or something like that, but no president has, like, chosen to, to stand down. So I think that um, there are quite a few people, um, probably more liberal people, um, who are voting for Biden with the intention or the hope that he does actually step down. Uh, and, and let the VP take over. Uh, I think there are quite a few people who are hoping for that or voting for him with that uh, in mind. In the last episode, both Matt and Greg agreed to a certain extent that Trump will have a lasting impact on America, whether that be evident in a changed foreign policy through an increased awareness of some of the cultural and economic grievances that had previously gone unheard, or indeed by Trump leaving America more polarised and more divided. I asked Amelia whether she is a voter feels that her country is more polarised. I definitely think that America is very polarised, just based mm. on like the different states in the country. You know, We have basically blue states or red states, and then there are a handful that are just, that are swing for the most part. But um, I would definitely say it's very polarised. The media, you can basically tell for the most part which media leans in which direction. I mean, Fox News is very much on the right end of the spectrum. Um, they're very conservative-leaning. They are, they, a lot of time. there's a lot of, I mean, narrative that goes out there that's basically fake and lies. Um, I would say MSNBC is more towards the left. So I think that having these major media networks 
that are so polarizing and so different, it makes the people in the country much more polarized and, you know, different in political party leanings. And here's Nick on whether Biden will actually have the ability to reverse any of Trump's legacy. Yeah, a lot has happened. Uh, and again, I mean, a lot's happened just within the last few months. Mm. Uh, forget about the last four years. Um, so I'd say that it is possible, but I'm not sure that it's something that can be reversed in one term. Um, I'm not sure that it can be something that's going to be reversed in, in four years. Uh, when you're looking at <clears throat> the state of the economy um, now with uh, you know the coronavirus and when you're looking at all the, the environmental policies that have been taken away, when you're looking at uh, all the tax cuts that are actually only really benefiting the rich, you're looking at all these policies that have been put in place, um, or at least have been presented and are you know in the works, uh, so to speak. Uh, it is going to definitely take a while to, to get back on track, so to speak. But um, that's going to be something that's probably going to have to take two or three terms of a presidency, like multiple different presidents, in order to uh, actually be remedied, I guess you could say. I don't think he can undo everything. Um, I think that there are some simple things that he can like, help fix, like getting us back into the Paris Climate Accords Agreement. Um, fix, there's a lot of things with the Environmental Protection Agency that Trump rolled back on. I think that those things he would be able to hopefully bring back. But I think that the ideologies of a lot of people who follow Trump, those people are still going to exist and still have these racist mentalities and, you know, support for Trump and his candidacy. So I think that those people and those people's thoughts are still going to be out there. So he can't really completely undo everything that's happened, but a lot of the policy he can fix. But Mm. there's still going to be hateful and angry people out there. An important point there made by media. Even if Biden is the next president of the United States, and even if that is interpreted as a rejection of all things Donald Trump, there is still a considerable level of cultural and economic grievances out there, ready to rear its head again. In the short term, America wants normality, where politics conforms to the rules and behaviours of the years before 2016. But in the long run, simply ignoring the reasons behind Trump's victory will have the potential to cause future populist movements and yet more periods of instability and change. Thanks to both Amelia and Nick for taking part in this podcast. Please subscribe and leave us a comment so let us know what you thought of this episode. Next time we'll be talking about voter registration and how concerns over turnout are mounting as we approach election day. For now though, thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye bye.